If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 10. The book of Hebrews, chapter number 10. Well, church, we're here. It's crunch time. We've got one week before Who's Your One Sunday. I started uh, 12 weeks ago today introducing, preaching Who's Your One. On earth as it is in heaven, we talked about Jesus doesn't choose the best, He chooses the willing. He chose us. We didn't choose Him. Our primary calling is to be with Him and to follow Him. We must leave off. And in that calling, He commands us to spiritually reproduce. That's what who's your one is all about. You see, He told Peter and the rest of the disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Well, from Luke chapter 5, we read the story of the healing of the paralytic. How this paralyzed man was brought by his friends who were on a mission driven by love to get this man to Jesus because only Jesus could give him what he needs. These men encountered obstacles along the way. But they did not let those obstacles stop them. They continued on and they had an eager expectation that was driven by faith. Jesus saw their faith and these men experienced more than they could have ever hoped for. Well, from Matthew chapter number 13, John chapter number 1, we looked at the importance of just one person. Philip brings Nathaniel to the Lord Jesus. He had committed to be an, in, an intentional witness. He went and he told. He recognized and repented of any excuses that would hinder him from being the witness that God had called him to be. We looked at a story of hell from Luke chapter number 16. One of the saddest stories in all the Bible that ought to compel us to want to tell in church if I could just uh, uh, help you to be able to get a glimpse of what an eternity separated from God must be like. I would not then have to encourage anyone to go try to draw men, women, boys, and girls to a place of repentance. Hell is eternal. It's a place of pain. It's a place of fear. It's a place of sadness. It's a place of isolation. And it's a place of separation. We next looked at the wonder of heaven from John chapter number 14. We looked at the Son of heaven. You know what makes heaven? Heaven. Jesus is there. It's not the street of gold. It's not those pearly gates and all the, uh, the diamonds and the, the pearls and all those expenses. It's the fact that the Son of God resides there. Well, we looked at the Son of heaven. We looked at the song of heaven. They'll be singing the song of Moses, the song of the redeemed for all eternity. And we looked at the scene in heaven. Well, we next talked about it being a wonderful life and what the, uh, the impact that only one life can have on the kingdom of God. John chapter number 1. Andrew brings Peter to Jesus and said, we've 
found the one uh, that Moses and the prophets talked about, the Messiah, the Christ, the one that could save the world. You see, Andrew saw the value of an individual person. He saw the value of an insignificant gift. And he saw the value of inconspicuous service. And in that, Peter the fisherman became the Apostle Peter, the leader of the early church that exploded in the Roman Empire and changed the world. And through one life, if you and I see that value, we can see the world changed. We then looked under about living under the influence of sharing our hope from the book of Colossians. Paul in that passage tells us to pray. He tells us to prepare. He tells us to then present. We're to, uh, uh, the, the world ought to, we ought to present ourselves in such a way that the world sees Jesus in us. And then he tells us to proclaim. What do we proclaim? Well, we proclaim the good news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We next talked about the power of a personal testimony. There's demons in that thing. It'll go up and down, up and down. Get behind me, Satan. And we had, and it is, the power of a personal testimony. And we talked about how in just a few seconds you can share your testimony. Man, my life was a wreck. for, For three solid years, I never went three solid days without getting drunk. And I tried and tried every way I could to find healing and hope, but it led me to nowhere. But one day, a man told me about Jesus. I gave him my life, everything that I am, everything that I ever hoped to be. And he began a work in me that continues to this day. And you see me standing before you. And I've not touched a drop of alcohol since that day because he took that away from me. you got more time. I could make it a lot longer and so could you if you've got a story. But I want to tell you something, church. There's power in a personal testimony. But listen. My testimony won't save anybody. There comes a time when we must close the deal. You see, it's not enough to tell the world about Jesus, though we must tell the world about Jesus. But we've got to bring that person to that crisis point where we say to that person, choose you this day whom you will serve. And we present to them the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ. You can phrase it many different ways, but you could say something like this, do you believe that? Well then what's stopping you from receiving what you believe? Would you like to receive Christ as Savior today? Give your life to Him today. Let Him live your, His life through you today. You see, if we don't bring a person to that place of decision then they'll never decide. We gave examples of that. It was amazing. Julian Kilbo got saved again up here on the stage. Amen. Jazzy listened, but she didn't really want to decide. I can't remember. Who else was it up here? Who else was it? Kevin. Kevin, he just cussed me out. No, he didn't really cuss me, but hey, he didn't want to hear what I had to say. But you see, none of that matters. 
because I can't save anybody, neither can you. All I can do is present the information and bring them to that place of decision. And then what they do is between them and God. So we must share the gospel. Well, church, I've poured my heart into who's your one. One week. Seven days till next Sunday. I was talking to Robbie Smith, our director of missions. By the way, I'm not going to preach today. Like, I'm just, I'm not going to preach today. It's going to be different. Um, I was sharing with him just how nervous I am. Scared, even, I guess. I mean, are, if God's people going to really invite those that they've written on the cards, are they, are they really going to do whatever it takes to get them here uh, so that they can hear the gospel? Is it really that important to them? I told Robbie one of the things I see as I go to different things in our association Churches are just trying to survive today. But Zion, I don't want to just survive. I don't. I want to win. And as a church and as a people and in the broader concept of the church in America, we've got to stop fighting like we're trying to just keep from getting knocked out. We've got to start, start fighting like we're going to win this thing. The Bible says I hold in my hand the sword of the Lord that nothing can overcome it. That Jesus is my shield and my defense. And well, I wasn't taking my own advice. I've not even slept well thinking about who's your one. I, I'm just being honest as, as, as your pastor. I opened up my Bible for my daily reading. You know, um, I try to read through a book of the Bible every single day. Not a chapter, not a verse, but just a book. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, on them little short days, First John, man, you can be done five minutes. Uh, you read through Genesis in a day, it's going to take you a while. Try to read the Psalms in a day. Uh, well, I was reading through Hebrews, and I prayed, God, you're going to have to calm my nerves or I'm going to get sick before next Sunday. Uh, well, he did. Simply by reading the Word of God. Um, so that's what I'm going to do for you today, church. I'm just going to read it. I, I went through and kind of outlined a long passage of Scripture. To the best of my ability, I'm just going to read it to you. We've got about... Roughly 17 minutes. I'm going to try to get through that reading. Um, so here's what I want to do this morning, church. One more time. You're probably tired by now. 
you've got a week, which is actually a lot of time. Uh, the Allies landed on D-Day, and within a week, they had a beachhead established, and the German army that had been invincible was on the defense. Weeks a long time if we'll go on the offense, church. So perhaps you're here this morning and you've wasted or you know, you've not really taken it seriously. You've got a week uh, next Sunday morning, 11 a.m. Let's have to bring out chairs. Be prepared to stand up, church members. Walk up the steps to the balcony. Cost you a little bit of money maybe to take them out to lunch or breakfast or gas to go pick them up. But Jesus said, go out and compel them to come in that my house may be full. Now, listen, I want you to know and understand something before we start reading. I'm not job scared. God will take care of me. That's why I preach the word straight, regardless of what people may think. It's about souls being saved. Not about rear ends in the uh, pews. Not about job security for me. Not about us being able to keep the lights on and and the building open here at Zion Baptist Church. It's about God receiving glory through our witness and the saving of the lost. That's our mission. That's our task. And if we do anything other than that, we're on the wrong track. So what did God say to me? Well, I was in Hebrews chapter number 10. I'd been reading. I started at chapter number 1. That's, you know, quite a ways through Hebrews. But man, when I got to Hebrews chapter number 10, I got down there to verse number 32. And, and, and God just said, Keith, I know you're scared and I know you're nervous and I know you've poured your heart on in this thing, but you need to shut up and quit whining. It don't depend on you. I'm the one in charge. Amen? And he said, listen, all you've got to do is persevere in your faith and don't fade away and I'll take care of the rest. So I simply said, all right, God, with your help, I'm going to persevere. And I read verse number 32. But call to remembrance the former days in which After you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of affliction. Uh, Remember that past light, Keith, that you've received. But not just that, remember those past labors that you've rendered. You endured a great fight. Listen, I took the alcohol away and I changed your life and you're not the same man that you used to be. Remember the past love that you've returned partly while... Uh, You were made a gazing stock both by reproaches and affliction. I remember all my friends walked out on me after I got saved. And partly whilst you became companions of them that were so used. I remember that uh, the past love that you've returned, companions with others, compassion on others. Remember the past lessons, Keith, I've taught you. Cast not away therefore your confidence which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise, the reward of our enduring faith. It has a recompense of reward. 
God's keeping a record, church, and you'll not go out there and try to win anybody by faith to Christ. He, he's not aware of and sees, and, and He's laying up for you a crown, the soul winner's crown, when that person comes to faith in Christ. But not only the reward of our enduring faith, the reasons uh, we have need of endurance and patience. After you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. God said there's a better day coming. There's a reward coming. And you just endure in the faith and doing the will of God carries a promise. But listen church, declining the will of God has a punishment. For yet a little while he that shall come will come and will not tarry. All, every one of us will stand before the judgment seat and give an account of how and what we've done with Jesus. So remember those past lessons, the results of that enduring faith. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. An empty faith is repulsive to the Lord, but an enduring faith is rewarded by the Lord. But we are not of them who draw back under perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Listen, one of these days I'm going to lay my flesh down. But I want the reward that God has for my eternal spirit and it's that enduring faith that will be rewarded by the Lord when He, said to me, when he says to me, Keith, I didn't count the number of people you led to the Lord. I didn't uh, count how many people invited to who's your one. I simply looked at you and saw that you were faithful and you did what I told you to do and you left the results up to me. Therefore, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well, in chapter number 11, we see the definition of true faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By faith, church, we can look out there and see what is not as if it is what is. By faith, the Bible says the worlds were made and spoken into existence. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the, understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. The definition of true faith. It's when we look out there and see what is even though we can't see what is. God declares it as a reality, and then through our spiritual eyes, we see what God has declared to be a reality as a reality, and that is faith. Well, the doctrine of true faith, God made everything. He spoke the worlds into existence. But then we see from Verse number 40, all, or 4, all the way down to verse number 40, examples of that faith. And man, I'm going to tell you what, this really encouraged me. By faith, verse 4, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Abel was killed by Cain, murdered by his own brother. But now some 6,000 years later, because of his faith, Abel is still speaking to me and you sitting here in 2019 today. Well, we see the illustration of Enoch. 
By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. He walked with God. The illustration of Abel. The illustration of Enoch. The illustration of, uh, well, let me just read verse 6. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That is the command of faith. And we see that illustrated in Noah. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not uh, seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. Hey, Noah believed God, and because of that, he, his whole family was saved. You want to see if your family saved today? Believe God. You want to see your family saved today? Trust God. You want to see your family saved today? Have faith in God, just like Noah, and what is not can be. It never rained to Noah, but he built an ark anyway, and through that it saved his family. Well, we see it illustrated in Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he uh, should after receive for an inheritance, and bade, and he went out not knowing whether he went. I'm just going to read. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, and heirs of them with the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham trusted and stepped out in faith and took a risk and looked for a city that had not even been built yet because he trusted God's promise. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead. Abraham was so old he was as good as dead. So many as the stars of the sky in multitude. But out of his loins came that promise and as the sand uh, which is by the seashore innumerable. Though all these all died in faith not having received the promises but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country, a place we cannot see. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. Time and again, listen, we can take our foot off the gas. We can look back and turn around from where we come. But if we keep our eyes focused on that country, we keep our vision on the promise and the faithfulness of God, we can keep pressing on towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of the Lord Jesus Christ just like Abraham did. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith Abraham when he was tried listen you know the story he offered up Isaac and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Now church, I want to tell you something. That's faith. That's faith right there. When we give away what's most important to us, listen, we'll, we won't have enough faith to give up some sports game or something like that or some TV show. But he gave up his only begotten son to fulfill the mission that God had given him to do. And listen to what it says, accounting that God 
was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. If Abraham would have sacrificed Isaac, it would not have mattered. God would have brought him back to life because Isaac was the fulfillment of the promise of God. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. He trusted God and said, here's what's going to happen. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worship, leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. He said, hey, God said, I'm going to bring you down here in Egypt, but one day I'm taking you back to the promised land, and I believe that day's going to come, so don't you leave my bones down here in Egypt. Egypt, you take them back to the promised land. Even after I'm dead, listen, by faith Moses when he was born was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith Moses when he was come to years refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Listen, Moses understood that yes, there's pleasure in sin, but it's only for a season and I'll choose the things of God that are eternal. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. I'm going to say that I heard a story the other day about a little boy that was reading the Bible in school and his teacher said, why do you want to believe all that stuff uh, about them uh, crossing the Red Sea? That ain't no miracle. The thing wasn't six years old. I mean, six inches deep. And they just walked across in a marshland. And the little boy, he was all dejective. And he went out there. And, but he just kept reading his Bible. If it wasn't too long, he come back in there. He was excited again. He said, hey, I read an even bigger miracle. Do you know what? God drowned the whole Egyptian army in only six inches of water. Amen, amen, and amen. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land which the Egyptians the same to do were drowned by faith the walls the conquering faith of the Lord the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days by faith the saving graceful faith in the Lord the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not and was in the lineage of the Savior when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I more say for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David and also Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms. Listen, they wasn't trying to survive. They was fighting to win, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. I know there's got to be some grandmas in here and some mamas in here that have children that are spiritually dead and they want to see them raised 
into newness of life, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Listen, we can get the world off our back if we'll give in, but Jesus has a much better resurrection, and I don't want to give in to the world. I'll just take the resurrection that He's got in store for me. And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourging, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. Some were stoned, they were sown asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these... All having obtained a good report through faith. What is that good report? You're mine. Well done, good and faithful servant. Receive not the promise on this side, but God provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. What is that better thing? I've gone to prepare a place for you and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. Listen, chapter number 12 and I'm about done. Wherefore? What's that wherefore? Everything I just read. Hey, Everything from chapter 10 verse 32 when we're to remember and then we can see all of these witnesses that stood faithful, stood the test, stood with God through thick and thin, up and down, even when they couldn't see what the end result might be because of all of that. Seeing we're also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Listen church, listen. Let us lay aside every weight. What are those weights? That's the busyness of life. That's the jobs. That's those sports games that we get our children into that keep us out of the house of God. That's those hobbies that we get wrapped around and there are weights on us that keep us from fulfilling the mission of God. That's those things out there that we let creep in on us and, and keep us from doing. Hey, that's those attitudes that we get. Them bunch of hypocrites down there in the church. Why do I want to go down there and serve with them? Well, get on down there because you're a hypocrite to listen cast all of that off of us don't let anything run easy get all of those weights off and listen and the sin that so easily besets us you know why a lot of people are not witnessing winning people to Jesus because their lives are so sinful and they will not repent they won't do it God's way and he's saying listen come to this altar and repent of your sin and then you can see the power of God at work in your life cast it away get rid of the sin get rid of any weight that stops you from running with patience the race that is set before us and how do we do that well one thing I want to tell you I've run some long races in my life and you get pretty tired when you're running 24, 25, 26, 27 miles but one thing I can tell you no matter how tired my legs get when I look and I see that finish line out there there's a little pep gets in my step and I pick up the pace a little bit and if I just keep my eyes on that finish line there ain't nothing can stop me from getting there I can walk it on my hands and listen church if we keep our eyes on the starting line the author of our faith the Lord Jesus Christ you're saved by the grace of God he died for you but listen he wants to get us to the finish line and we got to keep our eyes on him and if we keep our eyes on him all of these other distractions won't keep us from getting there listen we're to keep our eyes on Jesus the author and finish of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is now set down at the right hand of God why did he endure the cross because he 
looked out over time and he saw me and he saw you. That was the joy that was set before him. But listen, there's going to be somebody that needs to walk through these doors next week and they're lost and undone and they're dead in their trespasses and they're dead in their sins. And Jesus looked out over time and He knows that they're dead and He's wanting to do something about it and He wants to use you to do it. And I want to tell you what, I like to make my wife smile. I like to make my kids, hey, I even like to make old Cooper smile. But I like to see the Lord Jesus smile even more. And I want to tell you what, next week when we gather in here, I'd like to see Jesus Jesus doing a dance because you and I have been faithful and the joy that was set before Him when He was on the cross becomes a reality. It becomes a reality and we see that person who's dead in trespasses and sin, born again. And I read that and Jesus said to me, Keith, stop your worrying. I'm in charge. Just have faith and I'll get you to the finish line. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye. Who do we consider? We consider Jesus. Lest we be wearied and faint in our minds. One week, church. We was running last Saturday. thought Tommy was going to fall over. He was getting mad wanting me to turn around. We was going on that out and back. I said, Tommy, we ain't got but five more miles to go. We can crawl for five miles to get there. Church, we got one week. We can crawl for one week. You can do without food for one week. You can just about go without sleep for one week. Next Sunday, we ask ourselves the question, do we really believe that we're going to have a harvest? By, because I've not seen it yet, by faith. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, God, we've tried to motivate. We've tried to encourage. Show just how important one soul is to you. But God, we've got one more week and we're just going to give it to you. You're the only one that can save anybody anyway. So Father, I pray that you would strengthen your people. Give them courage. Give them conviction. Determination. And most of all, the faith to believe that what is not yet visible can become so through faith. So Lord, work all of that out to your glory. And then God, I'm going to ask you one more time, help my nerves. You're in control, I'm not. I just want to see people saved for your glory. Work, God. And give your people desire. And I know you will. 
because your word says it's not your will that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And we're going to trust you to work to make that a reality. In Jesus' name, amen.